Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Good afternoon and welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley and we appreciate you being with us. We want to thank everyone that came out to the International Sportsman's Expo um, last week and had a great expo, a ton of traffic. I mean, a lot of people there. Uh, all, all four days, especially Saturday and Sunday, was really busy. Probably with the Broncos not being in the playoffs helped our traffic on Sunday. But... Um, it was a, a great, great expo, and I want to thank John Kirk again, the communications director, for letting us uh, be a part of that and to MC their adventure theater. And uh, just a great time and uh, met a lot of um, new, new folks and prospective sponsors, actually, and one we will go ahead and announce, Canyon Coolers. Um, they just uh, signed up with us, and uh, we are looking forward to working with them, and you'll be hearing more about them. This segment's brought to you by our good friends, though, at Davis Tents. They're located at 4635 Jason Street, and uh, we're going to be getting uh, Will, the owner of Davis Tents, on here uh, next week with us and uh, talking a little bit about their tents and all that they have to offer. But on today's show little bit different we don't know what we're going to talk about no i'm kidding matthew abernathy now if you know matthew don't call in and go what in the world but matthew abernathy's <laughs> with us how are you matt i'm Good doing well you. scott all right doing well. and brian brian soliday is also with us brian how are you sir good Thanks good to have you us. sir and um no this is a little different i mean i've known both of you guys for a while now and i'm like man everything that you like matter matthew I prefer Matthew, but honestly, you ought to hear the things my wife calls me. Okay, all right. So we'll go with Matthew then. All right. So, uh, but Matthew, all he likes to do with his um, traditional hunting and all, and then Brian Soliday um, works with us with uh, American Heroes in Action, uh, Rocky Mountain Elk, a whole bunch of things. But then he also does a lot of things for the youth. And so just wanted to get these guys on, and we're just going to kind of visit today. So nothing really um, topical. We just want to talk a little bit about what these guys love to do, why they do what they do, and all that. And um, I will say quickly, my Saturday started off very busy. Got a cow elk this morning, uh, and I uh, had to get that over to Steve's Meat Market, get back to Highlands Ranch, shower, and get here for the show. So uh, we, are, we have been running today, this, uh, but it was cool, man. It's always cool, man. You watch that sunrise. I saw the picture on Facebook this morning. I was Man. very impressed. I'm like, yeah, and I got to get I, Maybe I need to get into radio. <laughs> Technology cool. pays great bills, but holy cow. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. you know, my wife, every time she goes, you just did this to hunt more. And I, well, okay, <laughs> guilty. Um, but, um, Matthew, let's start with you a little bit. Man, we've known each other a few years, and yeah. you um, work with a lot of people that we work with as well. The Outdoorsman's Attic, Rampart Firearms, unfortunately, John yeah, had to John let Lord go of his store. Guy. Yeah, great super guy, good guy. guy. But kind of give us a little bit of your background into the outdoors, and then we're going to get into some of sure. your traditional hunting. So, I mean, I, I grew up a, traditionally a southern duck hunter, right? Dad grew up in northeast Arkansas out there in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas. So I grew up with a duck call. Killed my first duck at nine years old. Still got the 410-1100 that did it, wow. right? But then several years ago, Dad offered to get me into archery hunting, you know, 
30 years ago and just the cams and the and the strings and the you know the compound but it didn't appeal to me and then i met uh, i don't know if you've ever met bruce Ayers, who runs ponderosa outfitters out of eaton colorado oh yeah i know i know Do you know yeah, bruce yeah, sure. yeah so he has a booth over at isc and yep. great great guy he's been so i was actually working at, at he worked at kodak and did technology stuff and i was doing technology stuff for a firm here in denver at the time this is 20 odd years ago and um, we went to lunch. He was an outfitter. I saw his picture. We went to lunch, and he pulls out of the back of his truck. He asked me if I was a bow hunter, and I said, no, I just never appealed. The cams never appealed to me. Compound never appealed to me. He's like, no, I mean archery, a real archery. And he pulls out of the back of his pickup truck a Herb Mellon, Herb, Herb Melon, I should say, custom pronghorn longbow, about 64 inches long, 50-odd pounds in weight. Herb's a great bow. You're out of Casper, Wyoming. And I fell in love. So he sent me down to, it used to be Bob Taylor, old Bob's archery shop, who also ran, he ran an archery shop out of his mechanics place. So they would fix cars in one bay, shoot bows in another bay, right? And I was down, and I was hooked. I was hooked on, on longbows and recurves ever since, right? Spent a lot of time at Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear, you know, the clones sure. up there and shared it. So, and I, and I just love it. Uh, just because of the the style of traditional archery and the style of you know traditional muzzle loading, I also love the old hawking guns and the full stock flint locks, things of that nature. Those traditional styles, you know, you got to get a lot closer to your game. You got to be yeah. right in their bedrooms, right when you take a shot. So that really appeals to me, and I just love it. And the craftsmanship with the bows and, right. and arrows, and you can take it as far as you want. I mean, guys that nap their own obsidian flint heads and things sure. of that nature. I don't go that deep, right? I shoot, uh, I shoot composite arrows out of my longbow and mm-hmm. recurve. But I just, I mean, it just always appealed to me, right? It, it harkens back to the old movies we grew up in, sure. Jeremiah Johnson and the Mountain Men with Brian Keith and, sure. and Charlton Heston, things of that nature. That that really kind of is what drove me. I still do the the you know modern firearms. I just finished my new a new AR build. Yeah, I saw that. Love yeah. the uh, yeah, love the uh, love the traditional stuff a lot. So get, get, luckily, I get a lot of opportunity to do it. So are you one that would like to see um, maybe a, a traditional archery season versus, and, and have that kind of separate? You know, I, w- I, would, I, would, I would Archery lo- and muzzle, maybe. I w- yeah, I would love us to be in that space, uh, honestly. But I think, truthfully... You know, we as hunters, I, I see what I don't. What I see too much of is, you know, compound guy or you know, traditional guys picking on compound guys. <laughs> compound guys picking on traditional guys. You know what I mean? I see too much kind of nitpicking within the community. Mm-hmm. And given what's happening outside of the community, and we, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the introduction of the wolf and the anti-hunting right. groups that right. are just trying to shut us down. Right? Um, we need to quit that bickering amongst ourselves and picking amongst ourselves. I would love to see that. Honestly, I would love to see more people enjoying the outdoors more than anything else. That would make me happy. And, and traditional archery is a great way to do it. You take a kid to any number of archery shops, and they're going to start them with a recurve bow or something of that nature. And the kids, girls, boys, they love archery. Yeah. They absolutely love flinging and I tell you, man, if you're looking for something to get into that's not hugely expensive, mm. you know, I mean, you can go to a lot of these shops around and, Man, for ten bucks, you oh, know, yeah. shoot an hour or oh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But for family or get your kids involved in Absolutely. something. And and I tell you what's what's great about I think our community a lot is, and I find this both with rifle or archery, everybody's wanting to help everybody. Yeah. And we're especially wanting to get kids into things. We're Absolutely. Gonna talk about Brian here. So and Brian chip in. We're just having a conversation. Oh, yeah. Okay. So but I mean I think this is something that uh if we don't do this over the next five years, man. 
10 years. Yeah. I mean, we're already losing, we're losing too many people, kids to video games. We're losing too many kids to TV and other forms of media and stuff like that. I think I'm hoping it's starting to swing the other way, getting kids outdoors more, but there's a a lady down the street. She, I just saw she posted on Facebook. Her eight year old daughter was over at quick draw shooting a recurve bow, right? Three fingers under. I'm a one over 200 kind of guy, but that's all right. (laughs) We're not going to, she's eight years old. She's down there flinging arrows. I'm happy about that. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I think, uh, Again, back to your question, you know, about uh, would I like to see more of that? Yeah, I'd like mm-hmm. to see more divisional stuff. I'd like to see a lot of different things out of the Parks and Wildlife Department, but, mm-hmm. you know. Let's talk, let's talk about that a minute. And, again, we're all friends with Parks and Wildlife. We want to you know, be supportive and all the things. And, uh, and and I have talked to them about being on the show like once a month. I said, look, here's where I think. I went to their big thing in Breckenridge last year that partners in the outdoors mm-hmm. and they're doing mm-hmm. all these seminars and all these groups come together and I said here's what I think your problem one the problem main problem is you guys are going and doing all this stuff behind closed doors having meetings figuring stuff out but we're not doing anything then to voice that back out to the people in the outdoors getting on here and say right. hey look we had a meeting with this group here's what we're thinking about and you know we'd like your feedback or whatever and I think that's why you know, social media is so negative a lot of times about right. parks and wildlife because there's just there's just not a lot of conversation between us. Right, right. Yeah. And it's tough. I think they've got that. They're in a hard spot, right? Because they're between a reg, they're a regulatory agency, right? Mm-hmm. So they're between kind of the will of the state. You know what I mean? And and that's difficult. I mean, you know, no nothing against our current governor, right? But you know, you and I've had this conversation. How does the governor kind of? How does he? Um, you know, how do you? Um, how do you meet the demands of, you know, a $3 billion hunting and fishing industry in the state of Colorado? How do you reconcile that with his partner's very anti-hunting kinds of views, right? And I'd love to have him in this booth and hear that show. If you can ever get him to come on, Governor Polis, we'd love to have you talk about that. (laughs) You know, again, going back to CPW, I mean, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because they have hunters with different kinds of views, guys that have special interests, such as Brian here, guys that I have my interest, you have your interest. So hunters that that, uh, overall represent a lot of different views, all wanting something out of them, right? But I I agree with you. I think they need to do a better job of kind of marketing themselves. Mm -hmm. We're doing this. We're moving the ball forward in these areas. These are all the great things that we've done with the the limited budget that we have because they do do a good job, I think. Well, and that's one of the problems that they they have as well is that, as a customer said, hunters are pretty diverse, and it's hard to please everybody with the the dates and everything else. So I do a lot of hunts that are late season elk hunts, Mm -hmm. and boy, do we get ragged on because we're shooting cows in January or, or late December and people don't think that you should be able to do that because they could be pregnant. And I say, well, you know, they're pregnant in September and October too. So right. you're going to stop shooting them. Then you need to shoot them in July and August. Right. 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 And so I just think, I just think CPW is, is having some issues yeah. uh, again because of the diversity of the, of the customers being the hunters and fishermen because everybody does everything differently. And everybody's got their own opinion. I totally agree. Right, right. So they, and they, so they get ragged on on social media and then everybody jumps on it. And, you know, the issue with the wolves, you know, the CPW staff have been told no comment, right? right. So that, that has caused a lot of people in the hunting community to be against them, thinking mm-hmm. that yeah. they're pro-wolf when, in fact, they've just been told not to make a statement whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, because many things, I mean, I don't know if you guys have done much with TV interviews or radio interviews or print media, whatever, but they, they will talk to you for like an hour and then about eight seconds ends up <laughs> in the clip and it's not what you said, right. you know, yep. Yep. now the words were contained in what you said, right. but man, I'm telling you, 
It's just a, a nightmare. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to visit with Brian uh, a little bit more along with Matthew. And I tell you what, we'll open up the phone lines. You got any questions, comments, anything about the outdoors, we'll take your calls. 303-477-5600. We'll be right back. Get relief from flesh and back. You just got in an accident. You called the police. You made sure to get a thorough record of the scene. Then after the initial adrenaline wears off, your mind starts to swirl with all the stuff you need to do. Insurance claims, car repairs, doctor's visits, medical bills, on top of the physical pain you're in. Flesh and Beck will give you relief from the financial stress so that you can focus on healing. Call Flesh and Beck immediately after your accident for a free consultation. Then you can rest while they talk to your insurance company. Personal injury attorney Kevin Flesh will relieve your burden of financial worries. All you need to do is call him right now, 303-806-8886. Call Kevin Flesh immediately after your accident. Get relief from the financial stress of an injury. Flesh and Beck Law. They get results. Have you been considering an RV or are you looking for a place that will help you keep your RV in top condition? Let me tell you about my friends at Cousins RV. They've got three convenient locations to serve you in Loveland, Wheat Ridge, and Colorado Springs, which includes full parts and service departments at all three locations. Cousins RV is locally owned and operated by Jim Humble and Drew Bryant with over 40 years in the RV industry. Cousins RV offers the top manufacturers in the industry and they have a huge selection of pre-owned RVs at every price point. Service is key at Cousins RV and they can handle any repair, even offering a mobile RV service. Hey, we all know accidents can happen and at Cousins RV, they have their own collision center with a paint booth to fit the largest of RVs. Come to the place that has the best Google reviews from any RV dealer in Colorado and ranks number one in customer satisfaction. Owners Jim and Drew are on site daily. Be sure and let them know you heard about them here on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. If you're just joining us, my name is Scott Watley. Glad to have you with us. Hope everyone's having a great weekend. Beautiful day here in the Mile High City. Once again, thanks to everyone to stop by our booth at the International Sportsman's Expo. It's always great to meet listeners and um, a lot of repeat listeners. And then it's always great to meet the new ones that have just tuned in. So we appreciate you being with us. I want to thank all of our sponsors, too, because we couldn't do the show without them. So I hope that you'll go to our website, sportsmanofcolorado.com, and uh, check out some of our sponsors that are there. And I hope you'll give them a chance to earn your business and your trust. Brian Soliday is with us. Also, Matthew Abernathy, just two good buddies and the good guys out there in the outdoor world and wanted to get them on the show just to kind of talk today about some different topics. So, Brian, um, let's switch over to you, sir, and kind of give us a little bit of your background and how you got into the outdoors. Yeah, so I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, had a grandfather that I was blessed to grow up within a block and a half of my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So every time I got in trouble, I ran to Grandpa's house. 
uh, because I always, you know, they always said, you're just like your grandpa. So I figured I get in trouble. I'm going to run with grandpa. And he would take me fishing. And uh, he drove a gravel truck. So he had access to all these gravel pits outside of Omaha along the Platte and the Elkhorn Rivers. And we'd go out and bass fish. And so started fishing as a little kid. And my father would take us pheasant hunting and then got into really big game hunting. Uh, not until actually I finished college football. Because oh, wow. at that time of the year, you know, I'm always playing playing ball. And so it wasn't until like 81, 82 that I actually got into big game hunting mm. and uh, ended up moving to Colorado after graduate school and uh, met a buddy uh, up in Fort Collins by the name of Doug Oren. And he said, you know, hey, we were archery shooting together and he said, let's go on an elk hunt. And I said, great. And he said, well, uh, I only let uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation members join me in camp. So I became a member of the Elk Foundation in 94 uh, on, because otherwise I wouldn't sure. be able to go yeah. on Elk Hunt with the guy. And, uh, and it kind of grew from there, you know. Right. So I've been, you know, active in hunting elk since about 94 and uh, became a, a uh, volunteer for the Elk Foundation in 2001. Okay. And uh, served seven years of a six-year stint as state chair. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know. And, uh, and then uh, about a year and a half ago, became active in a, uh, a nonprofit here based in Colorado called American Heroes in Action. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started about nine years ago taking uh, Purple Heart recipients and uh, youth, first-time youth hunters out. And so that's really been the activity. Wow. And it's, I mean, being with a kid, I mean, I've only had one or two opportunities to do that. You've had mul- multiple ones. But being with a child, taking their first animal, I mean, that's got to be it's just amazing. an unbelievable. It is amazing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I've seen some where it's, it's emotional for them because they do it, and then all of a sudden they think about what they yeah. did. Yeah. And, and right. sometimes it's some understanding to them because, they they're, yeah, the big, they, they, they get really the, get, they to really the get the shakes when they <laughs> no, 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 have no, well, that, You know, that, that's where uh, this year actually Bog, uh, Bog Products donated one of their death grip tripods to me. And, boy, it just gets them really steady. And that's just the key thing is get the kids relaxed, get them yeah. steady, you know, make them – that first shot needs to be good, right, yeah. for them. And, uh, and so it's been, a, it's been an exciting time. It's, I have, have had the opportunity to take about 60 kids on their first hunts, whether it be deer, antelope, elk. Mm. And uh, it's been pretty amazing. That's I mean, awesome. Just, I was actually talking to a, a good buddy of mine at the uh, ISC show that stopped by, and I told him, I said, man, I was just thinking about the hunt with you and your son. And the connection I saw – between those two, after the kid took the elk, I mean, you know, they're still, they're already buddies, right? Sure. But that connection afterwards, and I was just like, man, that's something really special. Yeah. And you know him. It's Brady, sure. w- Brady White, who's oh, the yeah, chair of the of course, Elk Foundation yeah. Denver. So I took Zach. We took Zach out. Okay. He made an exceptional shot on an elk. We couldn't find the dang thing. Mm. And uh, we knew it was there. We couldn't find it. We finally found it. And, boy, the look on that kid's face mm. was amazing. Yeah. Never forget that. Wow. That's cool. American Heroes in Action, again, a great organization, Dave Profit, and you'll hear more about them in the coming months. And we'll be emceeing their banquet again in April and just a great fundraising banquet. But you mentioned RMEF, and I think that's something we could mention, too. It's just several different organizations, man, you got to be a part of. Rocky Mountain Elk, SCI, uh, you know, Pheasants Forever, Ducks Unlimited. I mean, whatever. I mean, all these little cost you less than 100 
bucks or 150 bucks to join all those. Yeah, yeah but right. ditch your Starbucks for a couple of weeks and join yeah. a couple of join the NRA and a couple of these yeah, great NRA. things. You know what I mean? And right. uh, yeah, and, and hold back on your Starbucks a little bit. That's exactly I right. I mean, that's what we owe it to ourselves and to the next generation to to really take a really concentrated effort on the conservation. Right. So hunting is conservation. We just need to take that focused effort and be a part of those organizations and give a little bit back. Right. I mean, all it's going to take, you know, if I, I posted something on Facebook a couple years ago and I said just two, right? Take In your lifetime, take two kids hunting and introduce them to hunting, yeah. right? One to replace you and one to increase the number of hunters out there uh, to help us as we grow older. Yeah, I used to guide. So I used to, I used to in addition, I've done everything, right, in the, in the hunting <laughs> world. But I used to run uh, uh, pointing dogs and I used to run with... Uh, uh, North American Gun Dog Association. We oh, did yeah. trials out there at uh, out in, out in uh, way out by Burlington, Stratton, Colorado, and stuff. But I used to guide for Mark and Brenda Moore out at uh, Kiowa Creek. You know John years. Augustine? I don't know John. Oh, he got out there for years. Oh, did he? Great, had Nickel Creek Gun Dogs and. Oh, yeah. I've heard of Nickel John. Creek. Yeah, but Brent, Dale and Brenda. My wife does a website for Dale and Brenda Merritt down there okay. at um, Bear Point Camps. Yep. Right. Yeah. Matter of fact, Bear. The original bear, that yellow lab, used to be the, but Dale's dog used to beat my dogs every time at NHEA Nationals, drove me insane. But I used to take a lot of kids bird hunting for the first time out at Kiowa Creek, and that, you're right. I mean, there's just nothing like it, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, I mean, if it's the first time, whether it's an elk, whether it's a deer, an antelope, or a pheasant, or a duck, I mean, that kid and and the parent is just beaming with absolute pride. They just love it. It's just fantastic. Yeah. You're listening to Sportsman Colorado. Uh, Matthew Abernathy with us and Brian Soliday. And, again, if you've got any questions or um, topic, anything you want to hear about in the outdoors, we will do our best to take your call, 303-477-5600. And uh, also a reminder, if you miss our live show here on Saturdays, uh, we replay that on Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. and then again from 4 to 5 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. So hopefully one of those three times will work for you. All right, let's talk a few things um, First of all, I think everything we do in the outdoors is under attack. I mean, you know, <laughs> hunting, uh, our guns. Uh, of course, we got the wolf issue. So let's start there with the wolf issue. And, again, I know there's probably uh, people uh, more up to speed on a lot of things. And, and maybe uh, we might be with everything because it's changing daily. But, first of all, I will tell you this. The groups that are trying to introduce this, I guarantee you they are well-funded. Mm-hmm. They're well-organized. And they have a passion just as much as we do. But sometimes I think what scares me sometimes is we kind of think, oh, nothing will really happen and we're not as active as we need to be to get our voices out that. Because, son, they are not shy. No. <laughs> I think transparency is key there, right? I mean, if you, talk to a, if you talk to somebody like us in our community, right, we're very transparent. We love all forms of hunting. We, we sure. get along with each other. Duck guys get along with feather guys, deer guys, big game with other guys. But transparency on the other side, I, I mean, these guys, it's not just about wolves. If, I mean, if you talk to them, it won't take you 30 seconds to realize that it's just, this is not about a wolf. It's not about the wolves or the population, the ecosystem of wolves in general. It's not. It's about a, it's about a product concept, and they're very good at kind of hiding that and camouflaging that. But a simple conversation very quickly will get you kind of to the truth on that. Yeah. So we can, we can argue the merits of wolf introduction all day long. I think it's negative, right? Especially with where Colorado is and, and the ecology and hunting and fishing. I, I, I disagree with it wholeheartedly, obviously. But, you know, let's not talk about the merits. Let's talk about who's introducing these wolves. That's that's the thing that bothers me, right? And what their motivation is behind it. Because it's, it's non-Colorado-based organizations that are putting the money into this. It's yeah. not yeah. Colorado organizations, right? Yeah. And, and just managing wildlife by the ballot box is one of the worst concepts ever. Right. 
yeah, people, people, and everybody should have a say, right? Um, that I'm not saying not, they shouldn't be allowed to vote, but I mean, we're, we, you know, folks that don't go outdoors or, or only want to go outside on a hike and, and maybe possibly see a wolf, right? Those aren't the ones that, that, that are the most affected, right? Besides outdoorsmen and, 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 and the ranchers and, and wildlife folks associated with that um, here in the state, right? It's just, a, it's just a bad thing. It's just not good. Yeah. So what do you think, Brian, the steps are to support groups like we're talking about, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and people like that that are uh, kind of taking the forefront in this battle? Yeah, you know, RMEF has come out pretty strong on, on the uh, on the introduction of the wolf and uh, in terms of uh, the negativity that it could have on the economy and the and the elk population any ungulate population across the state so in terms of in terms of stepping up you know i would just say any any and all hunters should be active members of the of the elk foundation you know or mule deer foundation because those are the those are the groups are going to get hit the hardest in terms of impact because of the wolf population uh you know the introduction of wolves impacts the the elk population negatively the amount of money raised by RMEF yeah. is going to drop. You know, there was a lot on the last year when they raised the out-of-state licenses. There were a lot of folks in, in the way that we restructured the licensing system. A lot of out-of-staters didn't like it, right? And that drives, again, just the hunting side mm-hmm. of Colorado, I believe, is a billion-dollar interest rate. Just, oh, the, yeah. just the hunting side. So you start talking about declining elk populations. They'll go to, they'll go to where they are. They'll go to Wyoming, right? I can't remember who, because we had, man, people on the show very quickly at the ISC for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But one gentleman, and I can't even remember what state for sure, but he said there was one area where they had 35,000 elk, and now there's like 3,500. Yeah, 90%. I'm reading 90% is what I'm reading. And we've just, you know, we just did a great program, the Shiras Moose. We're talking a lot about elk, but let's talk about the Shiras Moose, right? I mean, we've spent the last, what, 25, 30 years reintroducing Shiras Moose, and now where I hunt up at North Park, up by Walden with Bruce again in Ponderosa. Um, I see more, I see a ton of moose. I saw six different moose one, one morning when I was out elk hunting. Um, and it was great. It's beautiful to see grunting moose. It's just a gorgeous thing. Well, I, I mean, they're seeing 90%, I think, in Idaho. Those, right. those Idaho and Wyoming, those populations are down 90%. And then somebody was on social media or some radio saying, no, wolves don't really eat moose. I was like, what do you think they're going to? Is that like vegetables? Is that vegetables does? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess, are moose like the Brussels sprouts of the ungulate world, or what's going on with that? Uh, they, they, you know, the, uh, the population of moose around the Yellowstone, within the Yellowstone ecosystem has been severely impacted. So any of the elk, or excuse me, moose hunting on any of the, the boundary units, they've actually been shut down. Sure. You know, and. Good. Let's go to the phones real quick. We got Mark on the line. Mark, how are you? Yes. Thanks for calling Hello. in. Hi. How are you? We're doing great, bud. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, um, I I just heard you comment. You try to get uh, the division on there um, once a month, and it would be great. I I'm uh, an active predator hunter trapper. Um, I, I got. I've, I've been going rounds and rounds with many levels with the Division of Wildlife. Um, I don't want to give specific names, but it's all documented. Um, some misinformation I've been given as far as thermal use in Colorado. Um, whether it's an actual statute, I have the statute was three thirty three dash one twenty six oh nine i believe i don't have it right in front of me but um and then i get information right after that from this person's superior in an email saying that she thinks it's a regulatory matter 
Um, I've been at the Sportsman Show last weekend. It was great. I tried to get some answers there. I've dealt with people right in the office here on 60th and Broadway um, several times in the last couple of weeks. I've gotten a few bobcats sealed there recently, and just I, they're not on the same page within the department, and it's extremely frustrating. As a, I, I spent thousands of dollars on equipment based on their information, and then they tell me I've been doing it illegal for three years. Um, I'm not a poacher. It, very frustrating knowing my equipment could have been confiscated for me at any time. Um, I still actively, I fall under a gray area with the use of thermal. And that gray area is I hunt at some of the pheasant hunting outfits in town um, locally in the Eastern Plains. I don't want to give out names again, but right. um, there I can because they're a nuisance animal and I'm acting as an agent of the landowner. Um, there's just a lot of misinformation within the department. Nobody seems to know. I've went up as high as I can without talking to a congressman. Okay. They, the last email I have, they're going to try to get the attorney general actually to interpret it and <laughs> see what what is actually legal. But it, it's like, you know, thermal night vision allows us to see in the dark. Sonar allows people to see underwater. What's the difference? Where's the clarity? Right. Just uh Especially with with, with predators, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Mark, I, I take your point with predators. I think some of the we were just yeah. talking about some of the nuances with traditional hunters versus big game, you know, rifle hunters, things of that nature. But I think there's, uh-huh. you know, nuances associated like hunting from a truck is illegal. Hunting from a vehicle, unless Brian, in your case, a special dispensation for a wounded warrior, you know, that doesn't maybe necessarily have the use of all their limbs. Um, and I think in, in predator situations, like in Texas, we build, you know, I came from Texas, right? Shoot, I mean, we me had too, these, dude. Yeah, the very nice. <laughs> I've shot rigs more and, from. The yeah, exactly. I mean, very nice rigs where you can get right. elevated in your vehicle, right. but you need to be mobile sure. to do that. Well, for predators, I think that should be perfectly fine. I don't want people shooting elk from Highway 60, right, right uh, over the fence and into the th- Obviously, you don't hunt ungulates or, or other big game from there. But, you know, if you've got access to private land, you're mo- mobile, you're moving a lot. If you're really going to be a star conservationist and, 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 and do your part and do well in predator hunting and trapping – you got to move. You got to set a lot of traps, and you got to move. And, I mean, two taking oh, two yes. taking two coyotes is going to be fun. That's a neat hunt. To take a kid on, right? But this guy, I mean, Mark, oh, I'm assuming great. you're trying to take twelve, fourteen a week, right? Um, I, I shot thirty-one in two weeks last year, and you know, out all on private land. And how this came about is a lot of the private land that they got mange real bad out east this year, and that. There could be a little bit of a shortage, actually. There are not as many harvested because of that. Um, so I, I applied for a night hunting permit, which I got to hunt the, in the national forest where I live. Um, certain areas I can hunt there, but it came back and said this is only for use of artificial light. And, in fact, you can't use thermal anywhere on this, in, in the state. And I was told it was a Colorado statute and given the statute number. And you read it and interpret it with the department here and this is what we came up with there's a gray area you can do this and then i went well how do we get this changed and i got another phone number to another superior and when they came back to me an email response it says this is not a statute this is wrong this is a regulatory matter it's handled by the department and then i go with the email to the office on 60th and broadway and they said no we have this other email here, which I also got a copy of, and you know, there's just a lot of confusion there. No one. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. Leave and, your, leave your number with Charlie, the producer, 
and I will I will get your number. I and, appreciate and any I will help call I Dan Prinslow has been on the the new director. He's been on the show before, and he's the one I was talking to. He's about him being on. Uh, so I I don't know what his schedule is to get him on next week, but I promise you this: I will call him personally, ask him what the deal is, and I will get you an answer. So. I really appreciate it. And just one more quick thing on the lines of traditional hunting. You know, I'm a, a active outdoorsman, and I muzzleload hunt antelope out east. And, you know, again, you they wouldn't give us rifle tags. We could get doe only. And you, we went out there in the population. I don't know what they're trying to do, but it, there's speculation amongst landowners and ranchers out there that they're doing it intentionally but there were 15 bucks for every one doe mm. and i said this is an unhealthy herd when we can't even draw a, get a buck license out here i mean we're at a disadvantage with iron sights and a muzzle loader and open prairie to begin with why can't you get whatever you want out there yeah that's i, I would agree with that <laughs> i think when you you know splitting between traditional forms which is what scott kind of alluded to earlier between traditional forms of archery yeah. where you've got to be 20 yards versus a compound bow sure. can be at 50 and then you know traditional forms of muzzle or you're shooting across a hawking gun you got maybe 100 150 yards there versus a traditional rifle you can go to four Right. So right. I totally agree. I mean, you know, statistically, you're going to have I don't think the CPW really plays statistics, though. Right. They're 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 they're, right. they're granted X number of licenses. They don't they don't say that, you know, they don't they don't speculate that, OK, only 10 percent of, you know, black powder rifle shooters are going to be successful versus the 20 to 25 percent that you're going to see in a success rate for a for a standard rifle hunt. I think it all goes into sure. one pool. A gun hunt is a gun hunt, period, full stop. So would love sure. to see that kind of dynamic in. In the um, in in the thinking at CPW, I just think they're just they just got their hands full right now, <laughs> right? They just it I would, would love be, to yeah. see that kind of stuff. I'd love to see that kind of critical yeah. thinking come out of there, but uh, um, I just think they're just they're overwhelmed, man. They're a state agency. Maybe a state biologist might be an interesting guy to get on there and talk about the populations and areas and stuff and why they do what they do. Maybe. Sure. You know, that might be a good guy to get on your show. But I appreciate your time, and I will leave my phone number. Yep. I'll let you get back to it. All right, buddy. Thank thanks thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening. Yep. See, that's what I'm talking about, guys. Yes. You know, just, yeah. hey, whatever the answer is, but can I get one answer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I've done that. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and Mark's a trapper, too, right? And I love to. I belong to a club with Rathman, right? Scott Rathman over there at Outdoorsman's Attic, right? right? Um, greatest gunsmith in the world. Um, but uh, we belong to a club out east, and I love to trap, right? And we have the, you know, you gotta have you have the live traps and things of that nature. And I have six or eight of them, and and um, but you know when you read the when you read the the regs about live traps and how that works, and then okay, so we lease from a from a landowner, and we got tons of raccoons. I'm trying to knock down a raccoon population because they literally will get in his corn, and one big oh, boar yeah. raccoon will ruin you know a half acre, a quarter acre or more in a night, just knocking stocks over, right? So. How to, you know, and get with the DOW. And, and one thing for you, Mark, I, I would mention too, is get with your, get with the guy that, that the, the DOW wildlife officer in that area and make a relationship, form a relationship with the officers as well, right? I mean, they're, they're people too that, that, that know how to do that kind of stuff. But um, between the regs that are published mm -hmm. and the Colorado revised statutes on trapping, there is a lot of confusion between those two things. Sure, so. absolutely. You're listening to Sportsman Colorado. We've got to take a short break. We'll be back with more right after this. Give us a call, 303-477-5600.
Hi, Jack Gorgon. Shopping for a new car can be a harrowing experience unless you use my favorite car dealer, Len Lyles Chevrolet, just east of I-225 on Colfax, 15 minutes from anywhere. I've worked with them for more than 12 years, and I promise you, Len Lyle is not your typical car dealership. Check out their excellent reviews on Google. They are respectful of your time, not high pressure, and have very progressive pricing because low overhead really does mean lower prices. Len Lyle Chevrolet. Go east and pay the least. Chevy. Find new roads. Trust your pet's care to Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. Hi, this is Scott Watley, and we've trusted our pets to Lone Tree for over 15 years. There are many reasons we love them, and it's great to have all of our pet care needs met under one roof. Whether your pet needs medical, dental, surgical care, boarding, grooming, or obedience training, the friendly and experienced staff at Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center has you covered. As accredited members of the American Animal Hospital Association, you can rest assured that Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center meets the highest standards of veterinary care. And they're a Gold Star member of the BBB and a member of HaystackHelp.com. Check out their blogs at LoneTreeVet.com as they share great insight on pet care. Lone Tree is open seven days a week for your convenience. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe all pets deserve to have a good life. Give them a call, 303-708-8050, or check them out at LoneTreeVet.com. Hunting Gear Outfitters, a specialty gear showroom for all your hunting gear needs. Hi, I'm Ted Ramirez. So if you're headed on a self-guided or guided hunt for deer, moose, or anywhere in the world, stop by Hunting Gear Outfitters, home of Caribou Gear Outdoor Equipment Company. We are located at 8955 South Ridgeline Boulevard in Highlands Ranch. Questions, tips, and tactics are free, so call 303-798-5824 or visit us at huntinggearoutfitters.com. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is proud to announce their new 10,000 square foot facility is now open in Berthard, Colorado, located at 504 North 2nd Street. With this expansion, Phoenix Weaponry offers a new retail area and expanded gunsmithing in Duracoat and Cerakote areas. Family owned and operated, Phoenix Weaponry offers the finest in competition, hunting and long range precision firearms. Also suppressors from 22 long rifle to 50 caliber for rifles, pistols, and shotguns. Phoenix Weaponry also offers gunsmithing services and restoration repairs from antique to modern firearms. Building your firearm dreams into reality. That's Phoenix Weaponry. Call them now, 720-340-2496 or visit them at phoenixweaponry.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Glad to have Brian Soliday in with us, Matthew Abernathy. Two good buddies and uh, two great guys in the outdoors. Again, our number is 303-477-5600. Got a call during the break. Uh, a gentleman could not stay on the line. was asking about chronic wasting disease. Uh, we did have Colorado Parks and Wildlife on about that oh, a couple of months ago. Um, I have not looked into it since then. Have you guys heard much about anybody's uh, we, i know we're in a mandatory I, I killed a doe last weekend with a with a hundred year old rifle by the way 1893 marlin um but uh, it's i know it's mandatory testing out of east where i'm at yeah uh, everything on the eastern plains is mandatory testing so i handed my head in at 60 and broadway mm -hmm. last weekend but uh, have you heard of anybody's testing positive uh i've seen it online 
on oh, okay. uh, some of the Facebook postings on iHunt Colorado mm. with people. Okay. And of course, you know, once they do that, then they're sure. not going to eat, eat the meat, so they're not yeah. very happy about yeah, it. Yeah, well, the good thing is CPW will reimburse you on your processing fees, I think, up to a good friend of mine, Paul it, Picknell. It's $100. What the guy told us, it was $100 if you do it yourself. It's uh-huh. $200 if you have it processed. If you have it processed. Well, I can promise you. Steve's meat market it ain't two hundred dollars. <laughs> I just left my elk, but I mean, and I'm getting not. I didn't mean those. that to slam Steve. I just mean it yeah. costs a lot more than that. So well, you're getting the expensive stuff. You're getting that you nice get, sausage. You're getting that chorizo, aren't you? I'm telling Steve? you, man. Steve makes some good that. chorizo on some of those uh, pepperoni sticks. Yeah, he I know sure what does, you're buying, man. Baby. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so you get two hundred dollars back if you have it commercially processed. Hundred bucks back, but they don't replace the tag, which they used to do that. But right. they don't do that anymore. Right, right. So we had one out east. We had one, a good friend of mine, Paul Bicknell, uh killed a little buck uh, last year. And I think that buck tested positive. But that's probably okay. one out of eight or ten. We, it's out there. Yeah. We're aware of it. All right. We'll try to get an update on that as well when we're talking about Mark's issue as well with the thermal. Yeah. And yeah. I've been hearing a, a number of people up in Wyoming that's been testing positive, too, uh, along the powder and then up near Sheridan. Right. Some of the whitetail populations. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, Brian, we were talking during the break. Kind of give some of those numbers you were talking about. We were talking about the wolf issue a little while ago. Talk, talk about a couple of those areas. Yeah, so the, we were just talking about uh, elk population dynamics and the, the, the what's happened in terms of the negative impact on the ungulates uh, after reintroduction of the wolves. And so uh, one area in particular that I know very well was the, the northern herd in Yellowstone, so that whole northern range that, that moves out to the north uh, and migrates out. So back in 1987 when I was working on my master's thesis, uh, the population was about 28,000 head. It dropped just slightly down to the low 20s uh, by the time that they reintroduced the wolves in 95. Um, last year, the study, the aerial studies, the last three years, the average has been about 6,400. And what we were talking about on the break was that, you know, the, the, the actual uh, demographics of the elk is much, much different than it was before. So the, uh, the wolves have a, a depredation on the, on the calves at a much higher rate than the others. So the attachment rate, which is the ability for the young elk calf to make it to one-year-old, is reduced down to the single digits. And you need to be between 15 to 20 percent to actually maintain the herd. So not only is the herd reduced, but the age structure is such that it's very geriatric. So it's a very unstable population. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and there was one, um, trying to remember, there was a website on this that um, we received from Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation uh, for you to go to, and it's it's uh, rethinkwolves.com. And uh, that will give you a lot of information and bring you up to date really as late as yesterday from Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And um, I'm just telling you, we all have to get pretty vocal about this, maybe donate some money to and all the things we need to do um, because this would be a huge problem for us here in Colorado. Don't, yeah, I can't imagine. Don't what, th- what, like, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, don't think that somebody else is going to step up and help. No, complacency right. is the enemy right Exactly here. right. Guys, exactly right. As an organ- you got to get active. Yeah. If you can't just – you can't – you got to be 112 months out of the year is what I tell people, right? It's, you're just not 100 from September to, to November, right? It's, 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 a, it's not what we do. It's what we are. Yeah. Right, we're hunter conservationists, sure. and it's you got to you're either in it or you're not. So right. get in it, right? Let's go. To the phones We've got Terry on the line. Terry, you're on Sportsman Colorado. How are you? Good. How are you? We're doing great, sir. I was uh, I had just uh, tuned in, and I thought I heard somebody say that the moose population was down 
Is that correct? In Idaho, I believe I read that on Denny Barron's StopTheWolf.org. I believe in Idaho, I want to say the Shire's moose population is down like 90%. Don't quote me on that. You'd have to go verify that. But that's my understanding. Yes. Down very significantly. Yeah, same in the in the Yellowstone ecosystem as well yeah. with, wolf, with, okay. uh, with moose. We weren't talking about Colorado. Yeah. Have you heard anything about the population in uh, Colorado? Well, our Colorado population is doing good from my perspective. Like I said, I was out hunting this fall, muzzleloader looking for elk, and, of course, all I could find is spikes, which I can't kill, which, you know, had almost, went almost run me over. But I saw six different elk, I mean, six different moose uh, in the form of about three hours, two grunting bulls that were on the rut. I mean, it was beautiful to see. And I just, the thought of seeing those, you know, I just, I have the thought of seeing those um, beautiful moose just harassed by a pack of wolves just, just breaks our heart, especially after all the work and all the success we've seen, right? Yeah. I I have a place in the, near Walden Rand. And, oh yeah, uh, that's where I, I hunt up on uh, Independence Mountain. So. Oh okay. Yeah. Um, What's that other mountain right, right there? Owl Mountain. Owl Mountain. Owl, yeah, yeah. Owl, I've yeah. hunted right beside right. there in the. Uh, um, good night. Dean Singleton on yeah. the ranch right there. Yeah, I've heard it on. Well, you're a private land guy. I can't afford private <laughs> land. I'm a public land kind of guy, right? I can't so, either. Trust me. But that fisher right there, that fisher ridge yeah. that runs. But I know where your ran your ran country is. But there's there's a ton of moose in there. We're seeing a lot of bears in there now. I think, which mm-hmm. is really good. So, you know, how does that affect? I mean, what is what's the? I mean, you introduced a pack of just one pack, right? And we've seen we've seen singles in in the North Park area, single wolves in in North Park, and now there's a confirmed. Multi-wolf sighting up in yep. northwest Colorado, so they're migrating here anyway. So I don't. What is the? I don't see the big push. But anyway, Terry, sorry, I kind of took you off topic. Well, I just, uh, I have really noticed a drop in uh, the moose population at my place, mm. and I'm, I'm right uh, at the base of uh, Owl Mountain on the uh, west west side, and I have really seen a decline in in moose. I had them for several years in my yard constantly. And uh, I was just, when I heard that there was a, I thought you said moose uh, decline, and I was just wondering if it was Colorado or my area or what. No, it was, it's Idaho specifically, I think is where we have the best data. But I mean, you know, that's uh, something to keep an eye on, right? Because we know that we're starting to see wolf sightings in that, in that north central and northwest area. So, it's something I, yeah. I think to, to, to keep going. And, and I mean, and just, we just don't ever know. I mean, we're trying to manage a wild population of animals, and it's difficult at best, even under the best circumstances, sure. right? Um, yeah. So who knows what it could be? It could be a, a, a version of CD, CWD, I mean, chronic wasting disease. So um, I, hard to say, right? You've, you've got one view in, in, in your yard there, so, and, and I saw a ton when I was hunting this fall, so who knows? Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Terry. Terry. Hey, man. Appreciate you listening. So, Brian, let's uh, talk just a little bit about, um, again, American Heroes in Action a little bit and kind of favorite subject. What, what you guys are uh, uh, taking that uh, a little bit more with Dave Prophet. And uh, hopefully I think this year will be a record year for us, uh, you know, with our banquet and all. But uh, let's take a minute and just talk about that and really why you decided to get involved in it. Right. So, uh you know, D- Dave and I connected back when I was uh, the state chair at the Elk Foundation right. and liked what he was doing. About nine years, I started taking uh, 
Purple Heart recipients out on a hunt every year. And it's kind of grown from that. And so Dave reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in serving on the board because of my background in, in fundraising and development side mm-hmm. in terms of donor development. And uh, I jumped at the opportunity. It was like, okay, you know, I spent a lot of time, seven years as state chair of the Elk Foundation, still active in that, in the Elk Foundation as well, but I wanted to take some energy and put it in another direction. And so uh, this was a great opportunity for me to do that. So it's a, you know, we're a 5013C uh, focused on, uh, getting combat wounded vets and wounded first responders on outdoor adventures. So my focus uh, as the organization is to identify hunts and get uh, Purple Heart recipients out. So that's kind of near and dear to my heart yeah, is uh, cool. Purple Heart recipients. And I've, I've not served, had the pleasure to serve the country yeah. uh, in the armed forces. But boy, I'm I not, lo- I'm not sure lo- those guys would call it a pleasure or those those men and women would call it a pleasure. I think they would call it an honor. But yeah. uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a wannabe and a never served myself. But uh, that's... Um, that's yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a great time uh, getting these people. I mean, for us, you know, we raise money. So you know, the youth hunts that I did this year, I had ten youth hunts, right. ten first time youth hunters. All of those hunts we auctioned off. Wow. So the money then goes to taking combat wounded vets out. So. Uh, I'm burdened with having to take 10 kids on hunts to help raise money for the Purple Heart recipients and and the other combat wounded vets. Sure. Awesome. Um, it was it was for me this was a it was a a lot of effort. Uh, you know, Mrs. Soliday would tell you that she barely saw me from September through uh, through January 1st because mm. I I had 22 hunts that I, 23 hunts that I did. Man, but cool. that's okay. Yeah, but that's okay. Fantastic. It was yeah. it was great. I mean awesome. the uh, the opportunity to take some of these. Uh, real, true American heroes out in the field and yeah, no help them get an animal has been Amen. pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's neat. That's really neat. Yeah. Go to AmericanHeroesInAction.org for more information. You can buy your tickets right now for the banquet in April. And again, we'll be there uh, emceeing that uh, for them, and uh, we are glad to be a part of them as well. All right, gentlemen, we got about seven, eight minutes left here, so I just want to touch on the red flag bill. <laughs> A little bit, and I wish we had more time for this. But I had Greg Lopez on from uh, at the ISC. Greg is running for governor 2022, and uh, he is absolutely against the red flag bill and uh, thinks it's unconstitutional and uh, all that. So um, he is going to be coming on our show a little bit more here over the next few months just to try to figure out everywhere he stands, everything I've talked to him about so far I really, really like. And uh, so... Um, we are pushing him <laughs> right now because I'm telling you, you know, and I realize this is a hunting show, outdoor show, whatever, but it's hard to hunt without a gun unless, unless we're going to go with a bow. Connected, so yeah. uh, what are you guys, uh, what are your thoughts? And, um, I mean, none of us want anyone or someone that has a mental problem with a gun. I mean, all of us want that. But what is this doing to really help the mental person? You know, really nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, they're going to, you know, and what we've understood uh, with Kevin Flesh, our attorney as well, is if they come and take your guns, you're going to get a hearing within 14 days. If you lose that hearing, they're going to keep your guns for 364 days. Now, my question is this, and we're going to work on this next week with Kevin Flesh, our attorney as well. When you buy a gun, about the seventh or eighth question down says, have you ever been adjudicated for a mental illness? Now, adjudicated must be the key word there. There is a judicial order given to come and get your guns that very first time because a judge signed that. Does that mean adjudicated? Right. <laughs> or, you know, what? So is this really 
the whole idea behind this intent just to keep anybody from ever buying a gun again if they ever you know it's just you know, in my opinion right get in trouble in my opinion it's just another it's it's another hurdle right and and i think the antis will continue to throw hurdles and make it difficult and run negative ad uh, campaign ads and and i mean and I, they're winning the battle right mm -hmm. kids fewer and fewer kids are, are are starting to move that you know less and less and like boy scouts and 4h and things of that nature that we're seeing um you know uh, um, kids associated with uh, those kinds of shooting programs shooting programs in schools sure right where you used to have you know uh i used to go to sky ranch down in texas right there there was 22 rifle mark marksmanship and you know, of course, firearm safety went with that, right? And I'm a certified firearms. I'm an NRA certified firearms instructor. So I see more and more hurdles such as this without any kind of any kind of addressing the actual problem, the root cause of the problem, right? And like yeah. you said, mental health is a big – if you look at all the mass shootings that everybody's talking about, you get all those folks. I think across the board you see mental history of mental health problems in there, and they're not being identified. And I, I don't want to attach a stigma around mental health, mm -hmm. right, because that's, that's an issue, sure. right? Should a woman with postpartum depression, you know, maybe feeling a little postpartum depression, should she be denied access to a firearm because she related to a doctor she's having a little postpartum depression and maybe they prescribed some medication for that or something of that nature absolutely not maybe she's in a, a, a life or death situation with an abusive spouse or an abusive uh, partner something of that nature so i just see this more and more as a hurdle to, to firearms ownership and and we need to we gotta we gotta get those folks we gotta come together right and realize that there are good parts of that promote the good parts and and function on the bad parts let's work on that yeah yeah, no, I was going to say, no doubt about that. That they, uh, you know, my my real concern is that what you're talking about in terms of a hurdle, mm -hmm. right? It's just making it harder and harder for uh, law-abiding citizens to gain sure. access and own firearms. Well, and, we just saw this deal up north, right? Where a lady filed Collins. something against the cop that yeah. had shot her son, right. and uh, he had been, um, um, you know, vindicated in the shooting that right. he had done legally, right. and yet she filed this restraining order thing against him, protected right. her. The, the idea itself I'm not necessarily opposed to, right, to identify people who are a danger to themselves or a danger to society. I'm all for that. If you see something, mm -hmm. say something. I think that runs along that line. But it should be very difficult. My concern is, you know, you hack somebody off and uh, somebody that you had a relationship with or you broke up with your girlfriend, she's mad, you know what I mean? She goes and files a petition with the court. Next thing you know, you got a no-knock. Now, you got a difference and you got a, you got a, you got a tough situation when you got folks and I'm not sure how any sheriff is going to handle this. Are right. they going to do a no-knock warrant on somebody? You know yes, what I mean? Are they going to come they very They have politely? the ability to do that yeah. with this. Are they, or, yeah. are they, they ringing the doorbell? Mr. Yeah. Abernathy, are, they, yeah, are you Mr. Home? Abernathy, can, you know, can we, we, we had this complaint. Can we see you? Yeah, yeah, sure, guys, come on in. Do you want a cup of coffee? Whatever. But if you no-knock a guy, you know what I mean, that is a, a, a defensive pistol trainer, you know what I mean? You can, you can, you know, a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling, a lot of guns. That's a dangerous situation. There will be right? loss of life. There oh, will yeah. be loss of life. Which That's is, my concern. I mean, it's happened already, like, in Maryland several times. Yeah, we've you know, seen that. That's true, good. Brian. It's and not then, good. Kevin Flagg, we were talking about, you know, so you let them in before they break your door down, and, you know, there's your safe there. You do not legally have to tell them combination to that safe, Kevin yeah. said. And so what are they going to do then? Are they going to drill it out and then take your guns? Are they going to get a moving truck and 
Well, I got a lot of old stuff on Where are they going to store it? I'd love to have a county sheriff on, right? So to say, how are they going to do that? I mean, are they going to pack all of my firearms individually in nice boxes that are foam padded? I got some 100, but 1893 Marlin. I got a great deal on that. You scratch that rifle up, I'm going to be pissed. Right. Right. I mean, it's (laughs) like, you know, I'm sure you got some nice stuff. You're going to be banging my optics around. You know, I saw your your Phoenix weaponry AR AR 10. I mean, are they going to be knocking that scope off and crap? And I mean, listen, I, I can't say enough about our first responders our law enforcement personnel, but I have met some, they're not always the greatest around firearms, right? Yeah. They're very knowledgeable, but they've got a broad scope of what their responsibilities are. Firearms is just a small portion of that, right? So they may or may not know a night force optics from a Zeiss, from a Leica, from a, you know, a, a Nikon, from a Barska, right? You know what I mean? So, you know. It'll be interesting to yeah. see with what happened up in Fort Collins, you know, because that was much much focused on revenge more than anything else yeah. on whether or not, you know, any other petitions that come forward, if they look at that a little bit harder before awarding that petition. Yeah. Right. And I, and I, and I heard that, you know, the, the proponents of this bill have said, you know, it's difficult to get this done, but it, it seemed to me that this, this lady on one day, I saw it on the news one day, she was going to do it. And the next day it was done. So it couldn't have been that difficult for her to go to the court and make this petition Right. You know, and make this claim, and I, I you know, if and, they're going to keep And there's this no bill, recourse really against that person that did. I mean, they don't have right. to pay anything and to file it. Anonymity. They, you know, it's kind of like the. Yeah. It's kind of like the whistleblower, right? For Adam Schiff, there's no nobody knows who they are. You you don't know till you get there, right? It's like these magician magical people. Yeah. yeah. No, nothing in the law talks about any ramifications yep. for making a false claim. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's right. going to be That's dangerous. Right. Well, guys, our time is up, man. Quick <laughs> hour. We'll have to yeah. do this again. Please. So, uh, Matthew, thank you very much. Brian, thank you. And want to thank our callers as well. We will follow up with CPW, get these questions answered for you. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Thorne coming up next right here on KLZ 560. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Remember, Sundays, 8 to 9 a.m., 4 to 5 p.m., you can catch a re-airing of this show. We appreciate you listening. expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.